everybody everybody it's time for encounters we're gonna read some spooky stories to you tonight shake your booty keep your limbs inside colors (laughs) what has happened to us i do not (laughs) know. know I half regret it, but the other half of me is proud. I feel torn. We're a little bit possessed. It's We're cool. loopy. It's because I drank iced coffee at like 7 p.m. <gasps> um, I just got a cold brew machine <gasps> from my friends in New Jersey oh. from my engagement party. And I've been drinking cold brew like it's my job. How do you do that? How is there a cold brew machine? You know what? I don't need to ask questions. I'll just come over and use it. Okay. I'll send you a video. My brother and I told my dad about Brooklyn Bagels, which is our, it was our <gasps> bagel spot in college. It was. And Brooklyn Bagels, if anyone's been out there in LA, and I'm sure other places have it, but they have an ice cube machine that just puts out ice cubes of coffee. So your iced coffee doesn't get watered down. It's just coffee, iced coffee. My dad was like, that's brilliant. And we're like, yeah, you just got to make coffee ice cubes. It is one brilliant. of those life hacks. Uh, also, these brilliant girls right here. Are your hosts, Sabrina and Corinne? Yeah, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And let's just do what we're here to do. And yeah, we're here to read the stories that you guys have sent us. The creepy encounters, the lovely encounters, the spookiness that has kept you up at night and that will keep us up now that we're reading them and it's nighttime. I just don't sleep anymore. It's fine. You can sleep when you're dead. Yes. Speaking of, I have a story. From someone who I think is our good friend, or I consider our good friend, even though we've never met her, but we've just followed her on Instagram and love her products. And I just feel a kindred spirit connection to her. Wait, can I guess? Yeah. Is it Claire? It's Claire. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how she feels about us, but I feel like we're friends with her. Uh, Okay, so we both own artwork, and it's like the only artwork that I have framed in my bedroom. (laughs) And then I purchased tarot cards for myself, which you're technically, I think, supposed to gift tarot cards, but they were so beautiful. And I was like, well, I I want them. She's very talented. So Claire... Oh, she's so talented. ...is on Instagram at Black and the Moon, and she has all this cool spiritual kind of inspired artwork. So you should check it out. It's awesome. She's just a talented woman. So her story is titled Haunted Clown Doll slash Accidental Poppet. Hey, ladies, hope you're well. I decided to finally send you one of my many stories. As a child, my days were spent exploring the woods surrounding my grandparents' home with my two sisters. Summer gave us toads to catch and never-ending games of tag. Spring was for foraging newly sprung buds for potions and offerings to gift to the fairies. Winter was about bold expeditions into the vast expansion of snow. And autumn, well, autumn brought with it all it really knows. Death. Ooh. The afternoon in November that my whole world changed was unseasonably warm. But my sisters and I weren't tramping around the fallen leaves like usual. No, we were playing with my new doll in the sitting room. I had just received it as a gift from my classmate, and I felt a very strong bond to it immediately. Everything from his patterned outfit to his porcelain face was perfect, and I had always liked clowns, and he was no different. My younger sister Jen was playing with me, while my older sister Haley sat by the window reading a book. She was getting to the age where dolls and toys were not very interesting, and playing with your little sister was even less so. I don't know what compelled Jen and I to play the game we did, though, and in the moment, it seemed harmless. How were we supposed to know what was about to happen? 
Children's imaginations are complex things. They piece together bits of information from TV, parents, and friends. It's a form of problem solving, figuring out how the world works. We had absolutely no experiences with ambulances. But that afternoon, we decided to play paramedics. Clown Doll was in full cardiac arrest and needed to get to the hospital ASAP. He wasn't going to make it. I knew this. It was pre-planted in my nine-year-old mind. I was the head paramedic, and my assistant was not going to be the one to save him. Our chest compressions were interrupted by my grandmother coming into the room to tell us that lunch would be ready in one minute. We were to wash our hands and put away our toys while she called for my grandfather, who was working away in his garage. When he hadn't come up a few minutes later, my grandmother walked down the small hill to go get him. Thinking he had just had the radio on too loud, she was shocked to find him slumped on the ground, blocking the door. Things get a little blurry here, the elusive chunk of time between the real paramedics and our mother arriving. Us three girls kneeled on the couch, watching everything take place from the window, knowing before they did that he was already gone. I don't know what happened to that clown doll. He wasn't in the spot I was tasked to put him while cleaning before lunch, and he has never been found. Needless to say, my fondness of clowns quickly morphed into distaste. I had new interests now, and my connection to the other side would only get stronger from that moment on. XOXOXOXOXO, Claire, black in the moon. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's awful to lose her grandfather and to be there for it. But like, what a wild sort of like live action premonition. Yeah, like her grandfather was portraying himself in her mind and telling her what was happening. Or she was just so connected to her grandfather and the paranormal that she was able to sense what was happening to him. Yeah, it makes me it makes me wonder too if it's just her connection with the spirit world that's maybe not necessarily connection to him, but rather someone in that spirit world was like trying to prepare her for what was about to happen. Yeah. But it makes me curious, like, where the fuck did the clown doll go? I don't know. Because was it the spirit being like, I'm going to remove the clown doll because I don't want this to be a sad memory. I don't want this to be triggering when she sees the clown doll. So I'm just going to get rid of it and try to protect Claire and her sister, her sisters. Or was the clown doll like somehow sort of possessed and walked itself off into the woods? Uh, I hope not that. I also wonder, I mean... Things happen, right? Like, especially in the chaos of her grandfather, unfortunately, passing away. That wasn't the first thing on her mind to be like, where's that clown doll? You know, so it could have gotten lost in the scuffle and the sadness of that time. Things got moved. I don't know. It is interesting. Wow. Yeah. I want to know more of her stories because she seems so connected to the paranormal. I I feel like she's got a million. Be your best friend, Claire. Um, Well, funny that Claire brought up springtime being a time to send some offerings to fairies because this email that I have from our listener, Carrie, is titled Fairies, Premonitions, and Aliens, Oh My. (gasps) Ooh, what a combo. I know. Hey, girls, my name is Carrie, and I've written you a few stories from my scariest experience to the ghost of my grandmother after she passed away, and now I'm going to write you four stories about different experiences that I've had, but I'll tell these stories in the order of age. Most kids have an overactive imagination, 
And I was no different. A lot of my family tried to discredit this experience, chalking it up to a reflective service making light or Mother Nature just being plain weird, but I know better. I was around six years old, and I often found myself frolicking outside in my grandmother's yard, you know, just ripping flowers out of the ground, making mud pies, the typical shit, lol. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, one day, I woke up particularly early, as in just as the sun was rising. I had just plucked a flower out of the ground uh, when I was just hit in the head with a china berry, and I saw it, a bright yellow light that buzzed by my face and into the tree a few feet away. (gasps) Oh, dumbfounded, I went into the tree to investigate, and that is when I found a small spoon the size of a china berry that had been carved from one of the berries from the tree. The shaving from the berry surrounded it, and directly next to it was a tiny, sharp, jagged rock that I imagine the fairy must have been using to carve the spoon. This is what I think happened. And the fairy came across me and was angry that I plucked a flower out of the ground. And it was so angry that it assaulted me with the china berry after doing so. It then fled to the tree to hide. But I took the spoon and I showed it to my grandmother, who just simply shrugged her shoulders and said, well, I bring them sugar cubes once a week. And so that's probably why they stick around. I'm not sure if she was trying to fuel my child delight or make me some kind of obsessed kid looking for fairies but i never stopped searching for that one after that we kept the spoon in the jar for years before it eventually broke down over the years and crumbled away wow that's crazy they kept it for years that's so cool and i love that her grandmother gave the fairies sugar cubes i know well you keep giving them sugar cubes (laughs) (laughs) whoopsie A few years later, when I was around the age of eight, I was playing with Barbies at my best friend's house when out of nowhere, I got what I can only call a vision, maybe a premonition. I suddenly saw my mother standing on a chair, a phone in one hand and a curtain in the other when she put too much weight on the side of the chair and she flew forward, breaking her neck on the entertainment (gasps) center. Oh my gosh. I stood up dazed. And my bestie instantly questioned if I was all right. And I said frantically, looking at her, that I have to save my mom's life or she's going to die. So then I stood up. I ran across the room to my friend's phone and I started dialing my mother's number. At this time, I didn't even know my home phone number. But a few rings in, my mom answers the phone and I very calmly said, mom, get off the chair. You're going to fall. My mother was completely mortified because she was indeed standing on a chair after a (sighs) spur-of-the-moment decision to hang up a curtain. She immediately got off the chair, but not before she almost lost her footing and fell. She was so freaked out that she began sobbing, having realized that her eight-year-old daughter just saved her life. My gift of premonitions has only gotten stronger since, and she still tells everyone about that time, and she thinks it's so cool, while I, on the other hand, think it's pretty creepy. (laughs) All right. My last story is a story where I may have witnessed an alien abduction. I'm not sure. Wow. But many years later, I was at a party with some friends and two of my friends had just went to sleep in their tent while a guy, let's call him TC, and I waited on another group of our friends to get back with more firewood and alcohol. Note that by this time, both TC and I were sober. Neither of us were thrilled to have been left in charge of keeping the fire lit, as well as being left together since we weren't fond of one another. (laughs) We were sitting by the fire making casual conversation to make the time go by when I heard them screaming. (gasps) 
We both looked towards the direction of the sound when we saw it. A floating rectangle moving in the air above the campsite about half a football field away. My gosh. There was no sound coming from it other than the screaming bright light that came down from it, lifting something, maybe someone, up into it. What? Well, it was powerful, like a floodlight. TC let out a blood-curdling scream, and that's when the light started moving towards us. TC jerked me up and we ran. We hid behind a sand dune. By the way, we're in the beach. Forgot to mention that. Um, but we peered out from behind the sand dune and are horrified to see a massive floating ship above us, the size of a school bus. What? And it was moving up and down and side to side with no sound coming from it. The light came down onto our site, first onto the campfire, and then it started to come towards us before the light came onto our campsite onto the campfire first and then it started to come towards us but right before it hit us the direction changed and illuminated our friend's tent the top of the tent began to move as if someone's being lifted up into the air and was trying to get out but couldn't then just like that it was gone a smack coming from the tent and as soon as it was gone the two of us ran to the unzipped tent to find one of our friends and the other slumped into a sitting position his face frozen in shock he said he had just had a dream where he was being lifted up into the air (gasps) we told him that in fact this was not a dream this had just happened oh my god he thought we were playing a joke on him but he later believed us knowing that tc and i never agreed on anything but this time we were both adamant on this and we knew what we had seen the next morning we drove past the campsite that we had heard the screaming from only to see a car with the drivers and passengers doors wide open a fire still faintly lit and a single shoe in the sand no we never found out what happened to those people that were there what or if they went missing or maybe if they had just abandoned one of their cars and left anyway i haven't been on the beach at night since and doubt i will I hope you liked my stories. I know they all seem far-fetched, but they all happened. (laughs) Stay awesome and leave the lights on. Carrie. Carrie! Carrie. You gotta call the cops if you see an abandoned car and their door's open and the fire's still kind of going. in the middle of the night. Oh my god, I cannot believe they witnessed, like, their own friend's body kind of moving up in the tent. And then their friend woke up after and was like, whoa, that was a weird dream. Oh, see, this is proof that, like, it is because people, even Marissa has had, like, weird dream-like states that she believes are alien-related. Oh, my God. I have so many chills because that is, one, a dream to see, and two, so creepy. So, so creepy. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. Like, a witnessed alien abduction. It makes me wonder what made them turn away, you know? Like, what happened that the ship sipped away? Because they... Because TC and Carrie were, they must have realized they were witnesses. Yeah. Or maybe it only, maybe all of their memories are wiped and there's missing time and they think it was a split second, but it was actually hours. And oh my gosh. And they were dumped back there. Their friend was abducted. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. That's insane. Sabrina, I don't know. Ugh. That's what happens with abductions, right? People lose their memory and don't know what happened. Yeah. That's so true. I didn't even think of that possibility. So scary. Also, can we talk about how delighted I am that she saw a fairy? And that she saved her mother's yes, life? she also saved her mother's life. I should also focus on that. <laughs> but I'm especially excited about the fairy thing because I don't know if you know this about me. I probably have told you. 
I collected fairy figurines as a child. I do know that about you. Believe in fairies. Fairies are my freaking favorite. I love them. Like, not fairies as in, like, fae that a lot of people who are into the paranormal know know and probably think about. But, like, you know, the Tinkerbell types of fairies. The fairies that live in the trees and make spoons and bowls out of berries. And I was... I've been so upset over the past couple of years because I collected these fairy figurines. It was the, if anyone knows, it was the fairy collection by design and they were expensive and I would spend so much money and ask for them for every birthday, every Christmas. And I have a bunch of fairies and I thought my parents accidentally threw them away because we could not find them anywhere. And my dad texted me this morning and he found a box like deep buried in the basement and it has all of my fairies. There are like 20 boxes of fairies. Wow. Wait, you found, found them. The fairies. That makes they me were happy. Beautiful. I can't wait to display oh. them in my future home. I'm never getting rid of my fairies. I love that. That's so special. Oh, I want to see a fairy. Okay. <laughs> what is up next? Okay. So last week we did an episode about weddings and haunted wedding mm-hmm. locations. And I just was in a mood and I picked some wedding related stories. So because I am getting married on Halloween of 2020, I chose a story from Gracie, whose subject line was Halloween wedding shower plus a (gasps) ghost story. I'm so excited about this. Okay. Hey, ghoul friends. First of all, congratulations to Sabrina and Nick on your engagement. Being engaged is so much fun, and so you should make the most of every moment and truly enjoy it. My fiance and I are getting married on November 23rd, and this past weekend was our wedding shower. Oh, so they already got married. Yay, congrats! Um, This past weekend was our wedding shower, and as it fell on the weekend before the best day of the year, we obviously had to have a halloween themed party my mom's friend betsy went all out and that majestic bitch even served gumbo out of a cauldron (laughs) that majestic bitch sabrina (laughs) if i die first of all i just want you to donate my body to the body farm but if you decide to Mm -hmm. get me a tombstone please say this majestic bitch died on and then put the date I will absolutely do that. <laughs> Honestly, that's the best compliment ever. Someone call me a majestic bitch all oh my the time. God, I would, I, that's a, just a surefire way of like making me smile. I know. If you want to make new friends, Corinne, just be like, oh my God, you're, you're such, such a majestic, a majestic bitch. bitch. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Gracie, thank you for my new favorite <sighs> phrase. Okay. So everyone came in costume and got so into it when we had the time of our lives at the end of the night the consensus was that this needs to become our annual event and i'm not even mad about it my fiance and i seized the wedding theme and decided to go as a tacky 80s bride and groom my favorite part was his mullet which was a party city wig that i pinned to his already luscious locks see pics below again shout outs to betsy for being a straight up halloween princess so Since I've gathered you all here, how about a ghost story? I have been haunted AF my entire life, so I got ghosts aplenty. This is one of my scariest stories. In college, my roommate and I lived in the oldest dorm on campus. 
we got ghost vibes as soon as we moved in. So naturally, our neighbors decided to constantly prank us with paranormal activity. We were wise to it and were never fooled, but apparently the actual ghost was not amused. Activity started ramping up when my roommate was staying there alone one weekend. She was woken up in the middle of the night to a loud crashing sound that came from inside the room. When she got up to investigate, she saw that our full-length mirror, which had been hanging on our main door, had been ripped off the door, folded in half, and shoved underneath her closet door. This was very shocking, especially considering that it had been attached to the door with screws and hardware. She cleaned up the glass and shook it off as a weird coincidence. A few weeks later, we were fast asleep in bed when we heard another loud crash. We had a friend staying with us and we all woke up terrified. Our friend didn't know much about our ghostly activity, so we asked him to turn on the lamp so that we could see what had just happened. When he goes over to the lamp, he goes, uh, guys, I can't turn the lamp on because it's upside down. My roommate flipped on the overhead, at which point we discovered that everything on the desk had been turned upside down. The lamp, the books, all the desk chalky, all of it upside down. Even the pictures on the wall over the desk were upside down. Needless to say, the three of us got the hell out of there and bust ass down the street to my sorority house, where we slept on the couch for the remainder of the night. We never figured out why the ghost only got everything on the desk. Maybe it's because it was telling us we had to study more. I don't know. LOL. When we moved out, we moved our shared dresser to check if anything had dropped behind it during our time there. And what we found back there shook me. There was an upside down pentagram. Uh, What? Yep. That's right. The official logo of Satan Inc. We had no idea it was there that entire time we lived in the room. We said peace out to that sucker and never looked back. Hope y'all have a fabulous Halloween. Again, congrats to Sabrina and Nick. See y'all on the other side. Gracie and my, she said fiance, but now husband, Jody. Oh my God. A pentagram? I know. But if you want to be cheered up, look at the photos of them from the Halloween engagement party. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) They're so good. They literally look like, they look like they're in Stranger Things. Don't they? They really do. Oh my gosh, you're so right. They do. Oh my god, they're also an extremely good looking couple. Yeah. Oh my gosh, now I need to see the real wedding pics. Oh my god, this is amazing. I kind of want to just... Sabrina, you should just do that. Just wear... (laughs) For my wedding? An 80s bridal gown of puffy sleeves. I should just wear my mom's wedding dress as is. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Well, that cheered me up. I feel better now. It's so good. But that's scary. Everything upside down is just kind of like a a disturbing move. And it's also difficult to do like the balance of everything. It just is. It's just a way I feel to be like, I'm powerful and I'm going to do things to irk you. Yeah. It's also interesting to me because I wonder and I don't know if this would have been possible because this would mean their neighbors had to be in their room alone. But like if their neighbors next door to them in the dorm knew about the paranormal activity the ghost stuff and if they were playing pranks on them trying to scare them would they ever do this pentagram upside down in their room as a joke hoping that they would find it and that it only aggravated the ghost even more oh i didn't think of that but also that's kind of that's like an aggressive joke you know to put a pentagram down yeah yeah but some people i feel like that's 
some people think that's funny, even though, because if they don't understand the repercussions and the seriousness of it, like, I don't know. That's true. Ooh. Or maybe it was the person who lived there the year before who uh, conjured some demon. Well, I hope nothing else creepy happened. I hope everything was like fine yeah. and dandy and nothing else went upside down because <laughs> it's just disturbing. Same. I would Very. move out. I'd call my mom and be like, come pick, come pick me up. I'm dropping out of college because there was a pentagram. She would probably pick <laughs> me up and be like, I understand. You're done with college. <laughs> Honestly, it's good that they didn't see it until they were moving yeah, out. That's so true. Okay. I have an email from Mimi. This is called Watch My Aunt Board the Afterlife Train. Hello, ladies. I stumbled upon your podcast when looking for some scary podcasts to keep me entertained at work. I've gone back and forth with wanting to share my encounters, but which one? There have been so many, but the encounter I had with my late aunt had shook me to my core and has always stayed with me. A quick background. Seeing spirits and ghosts runs, runs in my family. It started with my dad. He told us that he has always seen them, though they don't always interact with him. He just says a prayer and kindly asks them to go away. Our mom is a bit of a skeptic, but does believe our dad. My mom's father passed away when she was in her early 20s, and when she was dating my dad, he told her that a man outside her gate poked his side and laughed at him. He described oh. what he looked like, and my grandma showed him a picture of her late husband. It was him. What? My dad took it as, as a sign that he had given his approval to date my mom. By poking him in the side and giggling. <laughs> so I kind of like that. Like, okay, you're fine, boy. Continue <laughs> on. Uh, Grandpa made another visit when my dad came home from work and found him cradling my napping mom's belly. Turns out she was pregnant with my oldest sister. His gift of seeing spirits and ghosts passed on to me and my sisters. So growing up, we each had our own little experiences with spirits that would come and visit. In April of 2009, my sister, Melissa, called me at work to let me know that our Aunt Becky had suddenly passed away. She had been living oh. with our grandma in an assisted living facility in Canada. Our grandma had passed away earlier that year before, so hearing the news was like reliving heartbreak all over again. Aunt Becky was Melissa's godmother, and I had spent nearly every summer in Canada with her and my cousins. This was a big loss for the both of us. Melissa and I were both unable to attend our aunt's funeral as our passports were mm. expired. She and our sister Maria live in Austin, Texas, and I'm in Dallas. So she and I had made plans to make the drive down to Austin when Maria returned from the funeral. Well, that week, the three of us all had an encounter with our aunt Becky. Maria oh. had a dream that our aunt was in the dark room crying, scared, and confused. She'd passed so suddenly, and she was probably lost. Our dad told us to pray for her so that she could find the light. The night before the funeral, Melissa and I had very similar dreams. That night, I dreamt that I was at a train station and arguing with the ticket lady. I explained to her that I needed to speak with the conductor right away, and she told me, No. And that I'd have to come back at three o'clock. I told her I couldn't because I had to be at work. And she slammed the ticket window shut and I jolted awake. The clock read three o'clock. And I laid back down and went to sleep. I had the dream again and was demanding to speak with the conductor. But the ticket lady said no and that I would have to return at four o'clock. 
At that moment, I saw a bright light shining through the train station leading towards the staircase. The station was busy but calm. Descending the stairs was my mom, my aunt Rosario, and my aunt Becky. They were helping her down the stairs. My aunt Becky had her cane, was wearing her sweater draped around her shoulders. Her hair was freshly permed. She looked happy. My mom and Aunt Rosario escorted Aunt Becky to the platform, and she was walking in the light. And as she was walking, she was getting younger and brighter. The light was so warm. She dropped her cane, and she was walking on her own. Her sweater disappeared, and she was wearing a beautiful powder blue dress with a high neck, and her hair was done up in a 60s-style bouffant. Her makeup was done right, and she was wearing bright red lipstick. The train horn sounded, and the platform erupted into complete chaos. I was screaming for my Aunt Becky to wait for me, and she was hugging her two sisters goodbye, and I couldn't get to her. The crowd was too thick. I heard my name being called from across the crowd, and it was my sister, Melissa. She was screaming for me to stop Aunt Becky from getting on the train. I was calling out to my aunt, and she looked at me. She smiled, waved, and said, I'm sorry. I have to go. I love you. With that, she got on the train. And when she did, the train doors shut and the lights went out. It was pitch black and there were screams, loud screams of pain and fear. I woke up and I looked at the clock. It was four o'clock. From that night on and for the next year, I would hear screams in my dreams. I called Melissa later that morning and her first words to me were, You were in my dream. She said that she had dreamt she was at a train station and couldn't get to me or Aunt Becky. I told her about my dream and we agreed that Aunt Becky crossed over and is at peace. When Maria returned from Canada, I drove down to be with her and my sisters. We took pictures and wanted to share them, scrolling through the photos. My heart stopped when I landed on a photo of the reception table at the funeral. In the center of the flower-littered table was an 8x10 photo of my late aunt, She was young. She was wearing a high neck, powder blue dress with a 60s style (gasps) bouffant and bright red lipstick. Chills. Oh my God. Thank you, ladies, for letting me share my story. I have many, many more, but this one is the closest to my heart. See you on the other side. Wow. Wow. (gasps) Chills, chills, chills. I'm so glad that her aunt was able to find peace. I know. And to cross over. And I love to think that like her other relatives appeared in the dream as if like, you know, we're here for support. Like the living people in their prayers ended up crossing into that sort of spirit Mm -hmm. world to help her over. And how crazy that her and her sister were so connected in the dream. I know. That's so wild. I feel like plenty of relatives and siblings and stuff will get some sort of experience or some sort of sign from a relative, but to share the exact same experience at the exact same time and have the exact same dream. That's wild. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, it proves that her sisters are her and her sister are very connected. And if anything, I think were to happen to either of them, I'm sure the other would figure would feel it and know it and have like an instinctual. That's feeling. true. That's kind of reassuring to know that. Yeah. I like that. So wild. And it's also crazy that the window ticket lady was giving her timestamps. And those are the two times she woke up that night. It was just like all of these little clues to be like, this is a real encounter. This is not just a dream. Right. That's so special. So special. And it's so scary to think that your family member is in trouble or having a hard time moving on. But then to, to be a part of 
the reason and see and have the confirmation that she's moving on and Mm -hmm. finding peace, I think is a very, very special moment. And sometimes it just takes a little bit. It just takes a few days, takes a few moments to come to peace with it and to feel the love and support from all those thinking about the person who passed. Yes. Yeah. Before we get to our next stories, we just wanted to give a little bit more space to our amazing editor, Eric Foster at Fire Digital. We talk about him a lot. We thank him a lot. But we wanted to tell you more about his company because Upfire Digital is quickly becoming one of the world's most popular boutique podcast production companies. They currently have more than 30 shows in production, and Upfire Digital has built a small but incredibly mighty team that is prepared to provide everything that your podcast needs, even if you haven't started a podcast yet. So over the past 10 years, Upfire Digital's founder, Eric Foster, has overseen the creation, the recording, executive production, and or marketing of innumerable professional podcasts, including the editing of two girls, one ghost. (laughs) Some of the other podcasts that they produce are The Middle of Somewhere with comedians Chad Daniels and Cy Amundsen, Kevin Smith's Edumication, The Gilmore Guys, Self Helpless, The Zone Coverage Sports Podcast Network, The BU Professional Lifestyle Coaching Podcast, and many, many more. And Upfire Digital specializes in comedy podcasts, but also features shows about sports, health, politics, religion, self-help, and business. They they do it all. One of the most distinguishing characteristics of Upfire Digital's production is their ability to produce studio-level audio quality as well as a unique process to simulate same-room recordings, which, hey, that's us because, you know, Corinne and I are bi-coastal. Corinne's in Boston, and I'm in California, Los Angeles. Yes. And Eric makes it sound like we're in the same room and he's just always on top of it. We send him our stuff and then he sends it back and he's so responsive with notes and is so, so responsive. He has changed our lives. Yes. You guys might think that our episodes are a nice little 90 minute, but Eric and his team has to go through and cut out all of the annoying and repetitive things we say. So and the bathroom it's not an breaks. easy job. Bathroom breaks, you know, (laughs) they hear it all. They see another side of us. (laughs) They probably don't wish to see, but they're so professional and so amazing and just so hardworking. And we give a lot of credit to Eric, but he also has five full-time producers and they're all just so wonderful. We've worked with a few of them. So Upfire Digital is ready to triple in size and needs your help to do so. So now it's the perfect time to start your own podcast. So whether your show is maybe just an idea and you need some guidance from step number one or... You know, we went into it already having 30 some plus episodes under our belt. So even if you have, you know, 30, 100, 200 episodes and you just need to add that additional professional polish or anywhere in between, Upfire Digital is here to help you. And access to their web development, graphic design, branding, marketing, and merchandising is all included. To schedule a free consultation with Eric Foster, go to www.upfiredigital.com and click contact. And then you can enter TGOG in in the subject line so that he knows that we sent you. You won't regret it. We truly, truly love the whole team at Upfire Digital. We love Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have a story. It's sad, but heartwarming. This is from Sarah. And the subject line is, in case anyone doesn't want to listen, um, the subject line is, My brother was murdered, but he's assured me he's not dead. 
a heartwarming one. Hi ladies, I've been wanting to send this story until the long-awaited trial was over and we had the verdict. Well, on November 1st, 2019, my brother's ex-girlfriend was found guilty of intentional manslaughter from the murder that happened in March of 2018, the week before Easter. It was a gruesome event and it's been a long road of grieving. If you or anyone else is interested in reading about it, it's apparently become a big deal and CBS is going to do a documentary about it. You can look up Killer Girlfriend of Eau Claire Man 2018 and you should find it. Her name's Ezra, if it's more of a dig, which I doubt. I'm not too worried about privacy because the more people who know about what happened, the better. His dream was to be a college professor, and I guess this is a roundabout way of teaching people even in the afterlife. It's hard not to make light of this while I write, because honestly, the knowledge that I'll be older than my big brother this year is overwhelming. He was only 24. I know this is long already, so please bear with me. I didn't believe in ghosts until recently, and I was a skeptic until I was four episodes into your podcasts. I was a Christian, then an atheist, and now a witch. Life is crazy, but the majority of these visits happened while I was an atheist and now bring me peace. I've had three dreams about my brother Alex. One when I was married, one when I was getting a divorce, and the last was after I got engaged again to my true twin flame. The first time I dreamed of him, I don't remember much, but I remember feeling so surreal in it. I was on a road trip with his friends when our car got stuck in the mud in the woods, which is the scene he was killed in. When suddenly the woods turned into a place I didn't know and I was all alone. I felt my body fall down into a muddy ditch and I landed next to my brother's body, almost as if I was finding it. I cried, and as I cried, his eyes opened, and then we were in a bar in a town by a large lake. It was beautiful and airy. It was dusk when he was killed, and I was looking at him flabbergasted. I I kept repeating, but you're dead. And I'm trying not to cry as I write this again. And the grief overwhelmed me. This was within the first few months of his death. He looked at me as he used to do, like a brother does, and almost looked annoyed but trying to hide it. He told me, I'm not dead. My friends helped me fake it so I could start a new life. I didn't understand, which made him even more tired. But understanding, he repeated, I'm alive. I'm just not there with you. I'm happy here. Now I can remember all the books behind him and how quiet it was. It was his paradise. He was extremely depressed in this life, and I knew that. Then I woke up, and I was happy for a moment. But then it hit, and I sobbed all day. It felt like I lost him all over again. The second dream was after my divorce from a man neither of us really liked. In this dream, I remember little. We were in our old church where our family forced us to go every Sunday, and again I saw him and I couldn't believe he was alive. This time, he was happier to see me and smiled. In my head, all I could think about was how I'd cry wishing I could have told him I loved him. All that gushy stuff neither of us really cared for and how I could express how sad I was. But in the dream, I couldn't, still feeling awkward about it. Instead, I said, again, but you're dead. And he replied, I'm not dead, I'm alive, I'm still alive. Almost happy or bittersweet. When I woke up, I was ashamed I couldn't tell him my love. I hated myself because I couldn't express what I needed for closure. My last dream was recent, and it was after I was engaged. It was similar to the first, but this time I was a very different person, power-wise and will-wise. 
It was Christmas in the old church and there was music in the background. He talked to me sweetly and told me about things in his new life. I don't remember any of it, but thinking about it now, I feel at peace that he's happy. This time, I didn't ask if he was dead, but I simply cried, somehow knowing that this would be the last time he'd come to see me. We talked for a while, and then I felt the visit was ending. Agonizing sorrow overwhelmed me, and all I could think about was how much I missed him, that I wanted to know if he was proud of me. I wanted to tell him about my partner, about my new life, and how I wish I could have talked philosophy with him. I wish I could have hugged him. I wish I could have said goodbye. The last thing I remember in the dream was feeling all of that and then him smiling sadly, somehow knowing. When I woke up, I cried again, but this time I felt at peace, knowing I finally got to tell him everything. The trial is over now and I believe that he really did come to visit me in my sleep and that I got to say goodbye and make up for the last two years of his life that we didn't get along in. I feel this peace knowing I can let go, but also knowing he is waiting to move on no longer for me, but until our younger brother has the same peace. I guess this was a sad story and long and not spooky or well together, but I wanted to share that he gave me a chance to tell him everything and kept coming back until I was ready to say goodbye. And I had a life I was proud to tell him about. He once told me when I was a little girl that ghosts are real a science man. He said, we don't always understand things, but we don't have to know that they're there. I could go on, but I'll leave you with that. I can't wait to see him again and deck him for being annoyed the first time he visited me. In any case, hopefully both of us will see you on the other side. And then she sent some photos of him and their fur babies. Oh my gosh. Oh, look at her sweet little white puppy. His little, or her little face is all wet in the bathtub. And the black kitty. One for each of us. Oh my goodness. This is like, she had so many interactions with her brother. I know. Which, and I like that he was at peace and was like, I'm not dead, I'm still alive. Like, his soul still exists and he's in a place where he's okay. Right. And it's also interesting that he realized, like, it's going to take, for Sarah, it will take more than him just going and seeing her once. Like, it's a huge grieving period to lose someone that you love and someone close to you. And even more tragic when you weren't expecting it, you know? Like, it's it's just awful to have a sudden death and a murder I can't even imagine. So Mm. I do... I find it interesting that his soul, that his spirit was like, well, I'll come and visit her a few times to help her kind of get to the point of of getting over this sort of grief. Or, and I don't think you ever really yeah. get over the grieving stage, but I think you can find ways to cope and and find peace within it. Yeah. And she said that the last time she saw him, she felt like she was in a better place in life which almost makes me think that he was staying around too to help her. Right. Right. And and just be like, wanted to make sure you're, she was okay. you're happy now. Right. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, so sad. Okay. Well, let's see what I've got for us. This is from Kathy. It's called a sobbing lady scratching on the walls and shadows. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
Dear Sabrina and Corinne, firstly, I would like to start off by saying that I absolutely love your podcast. This is the only podcast that I've been able to relate to and listen through that deals with the paranormal. You both are such wonderful podcast producers. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank wow, you. Huge, huge compliments there. That's so nice. I would like to start off by saying that I come from a very religious and spiritual family. I was raised Catholic, but my mom has always been very superstitious. Very superstitious. I personally believe that she had special abilities when she was younger, but because of the lack of usage or trying to understand them, they might have faded away. I remember a story she once told me about how one night she had dreamed of a little boy crossing the road and he was struck by a car. She woke up with a panic, but disregarded it as a nightmare and got ready for school. On her walk home, she witnessed the same thing that she had dreamed, but in real life. A little Whoa. boy got hit by a truck not 300 <gasps> yards away from her. No. She has many stories from when she was younger about things that she would see and hear, but I would like to dive into the stories from our old house. I feel like my voice is going to go out, so sorry if it does. <laughs> we used to live in a one-story, four-bedroom, three-bathroom home in Memphis, Tennessee. One day, my mom was in our kitchen, and she had told me and my two older sisters to go and play. She was putting some things away and making her way from the kitchen to the living room. And in this house, the master bedroom was all the way to the far right of the house, followed by the kitchen and then the living room in the middle. And then this long, dark hallway on the left of the house that had the rest of the three bedrooms. She began to hear someone crying. And so she stopped what she was doing to go console whichever daughter was crying. When she made it into the hallway, she said that the crying got louder and more urgent. So she picked up her pace and she headed towards the very last room on the left where she believed the noise was coming from. When she got into the room and made her way towards the bathroom, she began to gently knock on the door and ask, Sweetie, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Still clearly hearing the crying, she pushed open the door and immediately the crying ceased. There was no one in the bathroom. <gasps> confused and a bit shocked she made her way to the living room thinking that she might have misheard where the crying was coming from but as she passed by the big bay window in the living room she realized that she was staring at all three of us girls outside in the front yard playing me being the youngest girl i slept with my older sister in the very last room down the hallway on the left the same room that the crying was coming from I vividly remember one night that I woke up because I heard someone walking down the hallway. I was around five or six years old and I was thirsty, so assuming it was my mom checking on us, I remember calling out to her to bring me a glass of water. The steps continued towards the room in a soft, unhurried manner, almost like shuffling. I called out one more time, Mom, could you please bring me water? Nothing. I waited and strained oh my, my hearing until I realized that the footsteps had stopped right outside of the door. I got out of bed annoyed and creeped towards the door to look underneath the door. No one. I ran back into bed and tried to make myself fall asleep as fast as I could. I remember hearing those same footsteps on occasion when I would wake up in the middle of the night, but eventually I just got used to them. <laughs> I want to say that I am more sensitive to the paranormal, but I'm not completely sure. We have moved since, and in our new house, I always see dark shadows from the corners of my eyes. If I concentrate on it, I can make out a shape of a person, but as soon as I turn to look, it disappears. I see things rushed past me sometimes, too. I'm not sure what they are, but those do not feel as ominous as darker shadows. I've also experienced two separate occasions of weird scratching noises on the wall. 
The first time I heard it, I was in my room when I heard these three scratching noises on my wall. The second time I heard it, I was in the shower and the same three long scratching noises started. I haven't heard it anymore, but I know that the number three is not a good thing to associate with scratching noises. I often meet people and have a very, very clear perception of the kind of person that they are. I have dreams of situations and I realize that they come true later on in my life. And I have the strongest, most intense feeling of deja vu that I seem crazy to people who do not know me. I get very sensitive and worried when I feel like something bad is about to happen. And even once I told my boyfriend that I felt like something bad was coming or that someone was going to pass away. And two weeks later, my cousin tragically passed away in a car accident. Oh, no. When I walk into a room or a house or just a place in general, I will sometimes pick up intense feelings of dread or uneasiness. I try to keep my feelings in these sudden onset rushes of emotions separate because I know they're not my own and that it's just being projected onto me. But... I don't know what to do about these intuitions or perceptions, but I would like to somehow make them stronger. I have many more stories I could share, but I'll save those for another time. Thanks for taking the time to read a rather long email and for being the best pair of ghouls out there. See you on the other side. P.S. Sabrina, congratulations on your engagement. Oh, Kathy. Wow. My goodness. Okay. I like your Kathy was like, I want to say I'm a little more sensitive, but I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yep, me too. I'm damn sure. Don't need to know much more. So much. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, Kathy, you should join our Two Girls, One Coven page if you haven't already, because there are so many wonderful humans on that page who can help you if you would like to make your ability yeah. stronger. I'm sure they have so many tips for you. Strengthen your skills. Maybe understand yeah. what to do if you hear those three scratching noises again. Yeah. Oh, don't want no. that. It makes me wish that she was back in her, her first childhood home because I feel like at least there the spirits were kind of benign. It seems like almost like a little kid or something, just like wandering down the hall at night or crying in the room. Right. Like, not that it's nice to have a crying child, but I don't know. I'd rather this sort of like benign wandering spirit over these seemingly dark entities and shadow Darker people. entities. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what so many people... I still remember one of like the very first listener stories we ever got on this podcast was from a listener who her friend, I think you know what I'm talking about, but her friend was so open to it that she was so terrified to even talk about it because I think people who are open to these things are targeted all over the place and you can't help getting these feelings or these intuitions or these spirits coming to talk to you because you're open to it. So they come and that includes dark entities. Yeah, that's true. I know it's kind of like that struggle. It's literally, it's literally like the movie. I mean, the TV show Medium with Patricia Arquette. Ugh, love so Medium. good. But it kind of like the struggle of, well, do you open yourself up and kind of figure out how to hone in on your skills and take control, or do you try to mm-hmm. drown everything out and end up kind of, you know, feeling out of control? Either way, it could go in any direction. Yeah. But. Right. Just kind of finding your own balance or techniques for you that work if ever it yeah. does get to be too much. Yeah. That is a cool ability, though. I know. I wish that I was, you know, more in tune in that way. Sometimes I do and then sometimes I don't. It's like it depends on my mood and depends on the yeah. day. Well, it's kind of like what she was saying with um, 
her Kathy was saying like this sort of premonition of like something bad's gonna happen, but not actually knowing who or what or yeah, when. You, that's you I've feel had helpless. that before, and I I don't like that. Yeah, I wouldn't like that either. That's a hard no. burden to put on anyone. It is. Okay, this is a little dark, but it wouldn't be an episode of Two Girls with One Ghost without something dark and scary. Okay, this is from Ada, and it's called The Evil Spirit in My Fiancé's Apartment Killed a Man. What? Hey, ghostesses with the mostesses. I just wanted to say that I love your podcast, and it has become my favorite as we approach the most wonderful time of year, Halloween, not Christmas. I always love hearing Leia in the background, especially when it breaks the tension in a really spooky mm-hmm. story. Leia's, Leia's silently curled up in the closet. She's being a creep this episode. Or she's protecting me from whatever's in the That's closet, true. which I like. She's been awfully quiet. She's sleeping. She's been very quiet. Leia. I shouldn't start now. That's fine. I'll cuddle with her after. Uh, I wrote in a while ago, and I didn't think I had any more stories to tell you, but then I talked to my fiancé and realized, wow, uh, yeah, we've been through some ghostly shit. I feel the presence of spirits and anything ominous. I have since I can remember. I used to go to some really haunted places in Utah, and I knew something was off even before I researched it. I had to wait until I was at school sometimes, because single moms don't think you need a good internet. So I was used to being in haunted areas, but got less attuned to it as I got older because I chose to ignore my gift. Oh, we were just talking about this. Teens, am I right? (laughs) Enter my fiance and everything was different with him, especially since he is very talented in astral projection. Wow. He is magic to keep it short and I can't get enough of him. Gross and awesome. I know. (laughs) So cute. So cute. So to my story. After about three weeks of dating, I stayed over at his apartment and everything was fun and new because it was my first sleepover with a guy. I'm from Utah and, well, I'm an introvert. He was showing me his entire apartment and when we got to his room, it was really cool and wide. He lived in this Victorian house that was converted into apartments. And I was really excited to be in his room. He had some awesome stuff. But when I got to his wall, that was the furthest over is when things got creepy. I felt what I can only describe as a ghost arm's tentacles reaching for me and trying to get me to stand closer to it than I was. I stopped there and pretended like I wasn't scared and I ignored it. After that, whenever I stayed over, I stayed far away from that wall. I told my fiance I was scared of the wall and thought there were dead bodies behind it. And that's when he told me he also heard voices and smelt gross smells coming from that wall. Not even a week later after this confession, while my fiancé was at school, a homeless man broke into his apartment and tried to take his own life in my fiancé's closet. After an unsuccessful attempt to hang himself, he gathered all the flammable things in my fiancé's apartment and lit them on fire. He then climbed out of my fiancé's window and started pacing back and forth on his roof, and when the police got to the apartment, he ripped apart the chimney and started throwing bricks at the firemen and police. He then died by suicide with his clothing after he stripped naked out of it and was rushed to the hospital where he later died. All while my fiancé looked up and could only watch his possessions going up into flame. Once the fire was put out, my fiancé was homeless. The fire destroyed every room except for his and the creepy wall. It stayed 
completely untouched. At the time, my fiance was a painter and I was looking for more money, so we took on the job of painting his old apartment. He wanted the money but refused to move back in with the evil spirits. It was in the middle of the summer and since we were painting the apartment, it wasn't ready to be inhabited and there was no AC. The first night we worked in there, we had to tape everything to get ready to paint the next day. When I was in the apartment, I heard the spirit or spirits in the wall say, let me out. Oh, holy crap i have i'm not gonna sleep tonight i was rightfully spooked and told my fiance as the day progressed they got louder and louder screaming let me out let me out oh that was terrifying i just yelled that and then my light turned on but it was it's nick he just came up god (laughs) it really affected me and started to feel weird and that's the last thing i remember According to my fiance, I started fighting with him and provoking him and making him fight back, and we got into a yelling match. We finished the job, and I was demanding and yelling. He then ended up driving me to his new place after fighting because he was just too tired. He was planning to break up with me, but was too tired to do it then. He went to shower, and I stayed behind, and then he came in calm and started talking to me, and I just started bawling and saying like I didn't remember anything and that I was scared. He figured out what was going on and then read the Bible and cast out whatever spirit was still clinging to me. We then cried together and fell asleep. When we went back into the paint the next day, I gave the wall no power and painted it all. And when we were done painting everything, we had to finish hauling out the equipment. And my fiance decided he could do it on his own. And the contractor, who happened to be a medium, uh, do I see a reality show psychic contractor happening? Maybe came up to him and said he did a cleansing of the apartment after we were done painting. He was terrified to be in there and left his tools and asked my fiance to get them since he didn't want to chance anything coming after him. My fiance obliged and we have never stepped foot back in that apartment and have never regretted leaving and never coming back. We still drive past it sometimes and two years later, we're still strong together and have fought many spirits together, but those are stories for next time. I hope you enjoyed my story. Stay spooky and have a spooky Halloween ghostesses. Ada, which my grandpa nicknamed me, Miss You Grandpa. Oh my goodness. Okay. The fact that the whole room lit on fire, but that one wall that has all the action stayed is where I move out. Well, it sounds like his room where the fire was started was the only room in that entire house or Victorian house that was changed into apartments that wasn't affected. Like they probably repainted, but like... It's just, it didn't burn it's down. It's just creepy. And it's not like there's something protecting. It's very clear that it's some evil demonic entity that somehow – I I'm so curious about who lived yeah. there before because it sounds like whatever this is, whether it was the ac- an actual person's spirit or if it was always something demonic and evil, it sounds like it was banished and trapped in this one section. So at, at the very least – it doesn't seem like it's wandering around, but it's yeah. still present and it's talking and it's actively in that little corner. And what happens like if it was the way she described like the tentacly arms reaching for her and trying to pull her in closer. What's to ha- what's supposed to happen? What would happen if they grab someone? I don't know, but I'm not trying to find out. Me neither. That's scary. It's so scary. Oh, my gosh. Live somewhere else. Yeah. 
Which they did, and they don't regret, yes. and I don't blame them. Ugh, I would not have been able. I would have been like, I'm sleeping in the living room. I'm not going yeah, back in there. Same. Also, can we just say shout out to that contractor for just going above and beyond his job duties? Yes. It's like, you know what? I'm going to try to take care of this. But it sounded like he was he did that and then was terrified to go back in because... Because it was such an intense he, spirit, he probably was like, yeah. well, it probably didn't work, and He's, I don't want it latching on or retaliating. Right. And, like, just in case it didn't work, I don't want to have to go in and, like, deal with that entity Ugh, again. scary. Very. Okay. I have one from our listener, Alice. It's called Possible Alien slash Multiple Dimension slash Time Slip Story. Uh, yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, ladies and Leia. I've written a few other stories, but I've held on to this one for a while because, to be honest, I didn't really know how to put it into words. I also didn't realize how scary it was until I discussed it with my BFF who introduced me to the podcast, What Up, May, a few nights ago. (laughs) Disclaimer. This is a long story. Second disclaimer. I am a generally sensitive person and have seen ghosts before, so I might be more sensitive to the stuff than other people that were there with me at the time. Okay, so I'm a relatively outdoorsy person. I love camping, hiking, climbing, etc. About three years ago, I went on a rock climbing camping trip with my sister, my friend, and my boyfriend at the time. We're from St. Louis and went down to Arkansas because there are a few cool spots we wanted to check out. Uh, The first spot we went to was slightly off the radar for most people, so it required a pretty significant drive into the woods. A few miles of dirt and gravel roads... And the final 100 or so yards were very rocky. But once we got there during the afternoon the first time, it was worth it. Half of a small camp spot was surrounded by gorgeous cliffs and the other half was densely forested. The first two nights we were there, there was another group that we and we had a great time drinking and eating together. On the third day, we left to go to another place. And after a day or two away, we had plans to go back to the first spot again for the rest of the trip. But we had to make a bunch of stops on the way there and were running behind. By the time we were actually heading in the direction of the old campsite, it was entirely dark out. To make things worse, we were almost hit by a deer while I was driving, so I was on high alert. Okay. Yeah. Now the scary, weird, I don't even understand part. We got (laughs) to the final 100 or so yards of driving back to the first spot and things just felt very, very wrong. The road looked really different, significantly more overgrown, and I was convinced that we'd make it, we'd made a wrong turn. It felt like we just kept driving, and what would have been two minutes was taking five plus minutes. I felt very scared and told my boyfriend multiple times that I thought we were in the wrong place, and he decided to get out of the car and go look. As soon as he opened the door, the panic turned to dread, and I felt like all of the air had been sucked out of the car, or the air was molasses or something. It was just so hard to breathe, and I thought something was going to happen to him, but I couldn't tell you what I thought it was. He came back, and we kept driving. And lo and behold, we found it. We set up camp, but... Like the drive-in, something just felt extremely wrong. There were no other campers there this time. And as we sat by the fire, I felt like I felt like I had to keep looking over my shoulder because I felt like something was watching us. Ugh. Now, the point could be made that, hey, I have anxiety. I was rattled from the deer incident. 
but I asked the friend who was with us what his thoughts were on that night, and he's probably the chillest, most calm person I know, not someone who would feel anxious about just anything, and he said that he felt really scared and anxious that night too. Then the final part, that night, I woke up at like 2 to 3 a.m. because I had to pee. I was about to get out of the tent, and then I heard something that made my blood run cold. There was a pinging sound coming from one side of the campground, like some kind of Doppler effect sound. It's hard to describe, but it sounded like ping, ping, ping. And it didn't sound organic or mechanical. And there was no sound of footsteps or flapping wings. It was just floating, floating past, floating past my fucking tent. I heard it get closer and closer and start to fade in the distance after it passed my tent. And then at the very end, I heard something way off in the distance that sounded like a scream. I absolutely could not bring myself to open the rain fly to the tent to see what it was when the pinging was coming by. But I'm honestly glad I didn't have to because I have no idea what what would have happened to me if I did. The next day and next night, everything was absolutely fine. Sorry, this is so long, but honestly, this gives me so many chills to think about. My theory, and I'd love to hear yours, is that there's something, is that this was something related to how people go missing in national parks. I've heard some survivors of those incidents say that they were somewhere familiar, and then things just suddenly felt wrong, felt unfamiliar, and then they're lost for like three days, and then suddenly they're right back in that area, that familiar place. I feel like we went through some sort of slip in dimension or something. And if you subscribe to the belief that aliens are interdimensional beings, that could explain the weird pinging by my tent, like some kind of alien scout or something, which honestly scares me so much to think about because it was looking for something. Oh, God, I hate that. I really don't understand what the hell this was. And I'd love to hear what y'all think. Thanks so much, Alice. Um. It reminds me kind of of the story of Love Pass. Mm, yeah. Like, it's just like, a, it's so mysterious. And there's a weird sound that makes me think like mechanical, like, is there some testing happening out there? Right. I don't know. It's it's very unsettling, though. It's super unsettling. And it's it's really curious to think that they're... Only two days prior, they had been, had this great experience there, obviously remembered what it looked like. The road up is difficult, so, like, they remember the ride up, but yet they arrived to their, to their correct destination, but everything was off about it. Mm-hmm. And yet when they wake up in the morning, it's all back to normal. It's so weird. It's right. kind of like the upside down in Stranger Things, you know? Right. Well, because it's weird also the way they were describing that driving there it felt like it should have taken them so many minutes, but it kept taking longer, which makes me think that whatever it was, was directing them not to the right place. Yeah. And to feel like they were being watched and for everything to be silent and to hear something kind of like slinking by. Ugh, it just makes me think that they were almost being like hunted and they just. Oh, I don't like that at all. To be, I don't know, not suitable in that moment. And so the thing kept continuing on. Or because she woke up, like they only do it when people are sleeping. I don't know. There's so many. There are also so many elements of the story that are similar to who was it? Carrie, Carrie's story earlier in the episode. Mm. That had she gone outside, what would she have seen? What would she have seen? Yeah, you know, Ugh. the more we do stories that have like hiking and camping involved, 
I think I'm going back on my my uh, desire to hike the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, I was gonna say there's something there's something in the air I don't out there. Think I'm going to anymore. It came. It passed. I'm no longer interested. It was a fleeting thought. Yeah, thanks to Alice and everyone else, I don't want to (laughs) go. Okay, I saved a sweet, heartwarming story for the end. Okay, perfect. We'll do two more and then we'll check out. Let's hear yours. I can't promise that mine's heartwarming. Okay, this is from Jalen. It's called Ghostly Engagement Story Lighthearted. Hi, my name is Jalen, and I've been dating this awesome guy for almost a year now. Shout out to Logan, even though he doesn't listen, but I'll convert him if you guys read this. Love you, pumpkin. Recently, his brother moved out, and while I'm attending the housewarming party, I struck up a conversation with his aunts. They told me the best freaking ghost story ever, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure a fly flew into my mouth because it was open the entire time. So, just after Hurricane Katrina... Michael proposed to Gretchen. Wonderful timing. So this story is his aunts and it's about Michael and Gretchen. Just after Hurricane Katrina, Michael proposed to Gretchen, which was wonderful timing. And because her apartment had been destroyed by the storm, she was living from hotel to hotel. Since they now had a wedding to plan and lots of naivete, they decided to go to the local bakeries that were still open and do some cake tasting. After looking up what hotels were still in operation, they found one that was like $50 a night and really classy. So they obviously took the offer. Gretchen said that when they got there, it was one of the most beautiful hotels she'd ever seen. There was a large portrait of a man with a child hung behind the front desk. It had vintage wallpaper, intricate carpets to complement the walls, and lots of art across the walls. Just gorgeous. As they approached the desk, the bellhop greeted them with a kind, but also not so creepy statement. You must be Miss Wilson, he said. She smiled and shrugged and asked if she had any paperwork or any payment to fill out, and he said everything was taken care of. So she just got their key and went to their room. As they're walking down the hall, hand in hand with their suitcases, they both realize something is off, but they don't say anything until they're in the room. Gretchen looks at Michael and says, you weren't in that mirror's reflection. And Michael, at the same exact time, was like, I wasn't in that mirror. Gretchen, her suitcase, and Michael's suitcase that she was pulling behind her all appeared in that mirror, but he didn't. Weird, sure, but they shrugged it off. Like I said, they were in love and naive. They go out for a dinner, and when they get back... How do you shrug that off? He's a vampire. Uh. I'm just kidding. Like I said, they were in love and naive, so they go out to dinner, and when they get back, they notice that the hotel seems a little bit different. A little dingier, like the classiness had deteriorated as they left. They assumed maybe they were going through renovations and didn't really question any of it. The front clerk was gone and they hadn't seen any employees or other guests, but again, they didn't put much thought into it. The night goes by without many incidents, and the next day they go out for the cake tasting, and when they come back, the hotel once again seems different than before. They described it like everything being the same, but older. Wallpaper peeling, stains on the carpets, now seemingly older floors. And they realized one of the elevator shafts, the one that they had previously been using, was completely gone. Gutted. They had only been gone for a few hours, so neither of them knew how this could have happened so quickly. Creeped out, still skeptical, they once again go back to their room. 
The next day is where things escalated and got downright scary. During the day, they once again leave. What else do you do when you're in a crazy haunted hotel? Stay? No. And as they're descending from the fourth floor, it stops at the third. They hadn't seen anyone at all, not even an employee. So this kind of shocks them. And a really pale man in a velvet suit and sunglasses comes in silently. And when the doors closed, they said that it probably dropped 30 degrees. And this is summer in Louisiana. The temperature may be erratic, but it sure as hell isn't dropping that quickly. She said it was cold enough to see their breath. They just assumed he was some weird guy. And now they call him the Vampire Man, which I'm sure is an interview with a, with a vampire-inspired name. But they once again don't do much about it. Nothing else scary happened that day other than them noticing the strangely aged decorations in the hotel. And as they're trying to go to sleep that night, Michael complains about the noise of the theater. Gretchen agrees and says she wonders when it will all stop, as it's been going on for hours. They sit up in the exact same time with the same realization. Because of the hurricane, the theater wasn't and hadn't been in operation for almost a year, maybe more. They decided they would leave as soon as they woke up the next morning. They gathered their things and prepared to return their key to the front desk, which they correctly assumed would still be vacant. As Gretchen threw the key down, she noticed that the key rack behind the desk was filled with keys. All except for theirs. They were the only people in the hotel. Mm. They race out of the doors and pass what are known as purple people, people who sell essential oils around the city. The people just stare at them with wide eyes and their mouths agape. By this point, Michael and Gretchen weren't concerned with staring strangers. They just wanted to get the hell out of there. They threw their things in their car, pulled around the building to the street, and saw that everything on the building was boarded up. What? What? Wooden planks across all the doors and windows, even the doors from which they had just come out of not even a minute prior. So yeah, that's my boyfriend's aunt's super romantic ghost engagement story. I'm sorry it was long, but I knew I had to share it with you guys as l soon as they told me. I love your podcast so much, and it really gets me through my weeks. Stay sexy and don't get haunted. Jay and cats. This story is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. Doesn't it blow your mind? I don't even begin to understand what's going on. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like the it's like the shining. Literally. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, does this mean they got a free stay? Who took I guess, on? but like where did they actually stay? Because it looked really nice, but then you go outside and it's all boarded up. They didn't stay in a nice hotel. I'm so confused. Like every second that goes by, it becomes more and more dilapidated. But like, yeah, where were they staying? Were they in there? I think. I mean, that's why people were staring at them with their mouths agape when they walked out. Because it's like, wait, you just walked out of an abandoned building. You know what creeps me out? Thinking of Haunting of the Hill House, you know, the red room appears as whatever it wants to appear <gasps> as. I wonder oh. if they were literally just sleeping in a gross, boarded up, random, like decrepit room with nothing but like nails and sheetrock. But so scary. What they were saying was this like lavish bed and like, oh my god! I ooh, ooh, ooh. it's so unsettling. This is so Twilight Zone. But I mean, like, I guess the good thing is that in their minds it seemed nice for the time that they stayed there. I would. I think I'd be messed up for the rest of my life trying to figure out what the hell happened to me. It is weird. I would. I would have to go back in that building and be like, okay, what's actually here? Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't Google it like the first time, you know? 
I need I need to know what this place is. I know. I want to know okay. more about it. Can can we hear? Can you send us the name? <laughs> can you call us and tell Hi. us more? Um, can can you put your relatives on the phone? <laughs> we Please. need to talk to them. <laughs> this is important. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well. Whew, shit. I have one. I guess we'll we'll end with this one. It is called Ouija Board Stories, okay. and this is from our listener oh. Emma. Nervous. Hi, fellow spooks. I recently started listening to your podcast from the beginning because I've always had a fascination for paranormal encounters. Let's jump in. I went to a junior and senior year arts high school that allows kids to live in dorms on campus. So naturally, my friends and I would always be in each other's rooms at night, goofing off, playing video games, etc. One day, my friend Mindy bought a Ouija board at Target, of all places, and asked our friend (laughs) group to come and play. I remember that we did our research online before we started smart and learned some etiquette. Like, I know, Leia, Ouija board stories are so scary. She's like, you guys, why are you doing this at the end? Yeah. <laughs> um, we learned some etiquette like don't ask how the spirit died. Don't ask where the gold is buried. Don't let the planchette leave the board without saying goodbye while moving the planchette across the goodbye board. Do not let the board count down, 10, 9, 8, etc. And if you place any jewelry or pure silver on the planchette, it can make the entity able to converse more. These are all things. Well, some of them I do, but not those last two I did not know. We all gathered around Mindy's dorm room floor and placed my silver ear cuff on the planchette. What? You just (laughs) read the rules. (laughs) And all lightly touched our pointer fingers side by side on top. There were four or five of us total. It started moving over so lightly, and we all looked at each other, horrified. Everyone was barely touching the planchette to the point where some of our fingers would be left behind as the planchette began to gain strength and move more confidently. Oh. From then Scary. on, we met every night in Mindy's room to use the board together. Some spooky things that happened included... We talked to a spirit posing as Mindy's future daughter, Suvi, who would refer to herself in third person and Mindy as Miss Mindy. Example, <gasps> Suvi wants Miss Mindy to play with her. We spoke to a spirit named Robert who told us about the battle he had been in during the Spanish-American War. We fact-checked everything he talked about afterwards on Wikipedia and the battle names and dates all matched up. No one in our group Whoa. knew anything about the Spanish-American War. We were all spacey arts kids. <laughs> we would usually be speaking with spirits and then one particular demonic entity would always interrupt so we were always skeptical about who we were speaking with. We would always ask, are we really speaking with the spirit, or the demon name. Half the time, it would be the demonic entity. I do have a particularly spooky story, though, that stood out more than the others. I had another friend in high school, not part of this nightly dorm room Ouija board club, Janet, and she invited me over for a sleepover at her parents' house once, around Halloween time. The basis of the sleepover started from her telling me about a ghost that she saw when she was a little girl. She remembers while moving into her house that she was anxious to choose her room before her younger sister. When they entered the house, as the movers were moving furniture inside, she immediately ran upstairs to choose her room. She then froze when she got to the top because there was a little boy standing at the end of the hallway. She says around five or six years old with a blonde bowl cut. She said, hi, what are you doing here? 
and then he (gasps) silently ran past her down the stairs that she had come up. She went after him, but he was gone. She asked her parents where he had gone, and they had no idea what she was talking about. Oh my she gosh. says they would have seen him as the stairs were right next to where her parents were standing. She mentioned another incident. When there was a storm, she would always sleep in her mother's bed with the hallway light on, which illuminated the bed. She remembers a number of times waking up in her mom's bed in the middle of the night and the little boy was standing at the end of the bed, backlit, staring at her. <gasps> oh my she gosh. She didn't ever feel scared in any way when she saw him. She just always felt concerned for him. Fast forward to our sleepover. She had never used a Ouija board before, and while I was on this big Ouija board kick with my other friends, we decided to make our own to communicate with this little boy. Oh! As we were looking up the how-to article for Ouija board making, there was a disclaimer at the bottom of the article stating, homemade Ouija boards can be stronger than store-bought ones. Oh. Our board was literally printer paper scotch-taped together with magic marker symbols and drawings that we sketched on our kids. And we used a small jar as the planchette and used my silver ear cuff, as I had before, for more power. We went to her mom's, as she believes the little boy haunts the ancient shifferobe there. We lit candles in a circle around us, next to the shifferobe, and asked, Are there any spirits here? The planchette slash small jar slid to yes. We asked how old they were. The planchette slid to five. Janet was horrified and asked if this was the spirit she saw when she was little, and the planchette slid to yes. Janet was shaking and told me that she was not moving it and that she knew I wasn't moving it. Yet it had such a strong pull, stronger than when I'd used the Target brand one with my doormates, which is odd because a small jar was glass and heavier than the plastic planchette in the Target Ouija board. Janet asked where he was from, and he said, Closet which we assume was the shifferobe. We asked what state he was from, and he said Connecticut, spelling it wrong, though, like a small child would. Internally screaming. Jana asked him how he died, and when, whoops, he said flu, and he said the date, and then he said that a lot of, quote, us got sick with the flu then. It was crazy how much was being spelled out to us. We asked him some more questions, and the board fell silent. We said, hello? Are you still there? And the board spelled out, run. We were (gasps) like, what? And then it spelled out again, run. It then started (gasps) counting down, 10, 9, 8, 7. I told Janet, we cannot let it finish counting down, run! So we said goodbye, and we slid the planchette over to goodbye on the paper Ouija board, and then blew out all the candles and noped right the fuck out of the house. Oh my god. And then noped right (laughs) out of that room. We literally ran to the backyard, whisper screaming, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? Needless to say, we stayed up the whole night with the TV and her cat chilling on us to calm us down. Thank you for reading. Let me know if you use this because I've been wanting to tell like-minded spooky people my experience for a while. Also, I used different names for everybody above. Much love, Emma. Can we just look at Leia because she's seriously comforting me right now? Leia is like, have you seen that? The video where someone puts a flower on top of a cat's head and the cat like moves so far back into itself that it like no longer has a neck or chin. Yeah, because she's just so cuddled into my That's arm right now. That's what Leia's doing. You hear her purring, putting the mic to her nose. I wish it could cuddle me. She's so cute. 
It's crazy how many of the like warnings that are online she experienced. Yes. The counting down and the little kid being like, run. Oh, my God. That's so scary. Yeah. Or was it like a darker entity that came in was like trying to play a game with him and be like, run. It makes me wonder, too. Is this was the darker entity something that followed Emma that somehow kind of like had a connection to Emma through using the Ouija board at the dorm and was kind of like, oh, she's playing again. Let me go in. And they just so happened to have the little boy who was kind of like a loyal family member now being like, save yourself. Get out of here. Or do you think that her friend Janet had previously said that she kind of just felt concerned for the little boy, felt worried for him? Do you think that Mm. there was something else in the house that she had been kind of picking vibes up from? That's interesting. But there's also the version where like, as we've said with Ouija boards, there's the danger of contacting dark entities and like, you know, entities are kind of able to come in through the Ouija Mm -hmm. boards that like there's just when you use Ouija boards or forms of communication similar to that, you are opening yourself to the possibility that something dark is going Mm -hmm. to come through. So it could be just it could be unconnected to all of those things and just be a dark entity who's seizing the opportunity. That's so scary, though. The countdown. Like, how quickly did the countdown happen? That's what I wonder. I know. Well, luckily, they got two warnings to run before the countdown. (sighs) If a Ouija board told me to run, I would say goodbye Goodbye. right away. Goodbye. I'm leaving. See you never. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You know, one thing's for certain. If I have children, they are not getting a Ouija board. I completely agree. Our Ouija board was donated long ago. I can't believe you've actually used one. Yes, when I was young. Only a few times. You bad. I was bad. (laughs) Bad. Though I will say... Bad ghoul. We have so many emails with horrifying, scary Ouija board experiences. And when I used it, the experiences that I had without a Ouija board, just like in general in life, were many of them were much scarier than being like 10 years old at a sleepover and my friends were probably pushing it. Right. You didn't need to have yeah. that. Anyway. <laughs> oh. <sighs> now. So if you have ghost stories, please email them to us because we love reading them. They could be of any topic, of any experience. They could be your friends, your families, yours, your grandparents, anything at all. Please email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. And we will. See you on the other side.